Welcome to the Final Draft Great Conversations podcast. Today's great conversation is with the novelist, philosopher, and filmmaker Beruz Bushani. Beruz's book No Friend But the Mountains has just released and was written over five years throughout his imprisonment on Manus Island. I'm Andrew Popel, and every week I explore books, writing, and literary culture, broadcasting Final Draft from the studios of 2SER in Sydney. Great Conversations is a way to enlarge that discussion. It's a weekly podcast sharing the stories and issues that make our world tick, getting behind the scenes and talking to the creators of the books that you love. And today's episode is a unique one. Many of the books we discuss on Final Draft engage with topical, even urgent issues of our culture and society. But No Friend But The Mountains takes the reader to Manus Island and invokes the horror of living imprisoned with no certainty or understanding of your fate. Beruz has been imprisoned on Manus Island for five years and in that time has written journalism and produced an internationally acclaimed film, Chaka, Please Tell Us the Time. No Friend But the Mountains imagines his journey, his life and experiences on Manus, detailing the oppression and torture of a life imprisoned. Now, Beruz is still imprisoned on Manus Island with no freedom to leave. Our conversation was recorded over WhatsApp, and you can clearly hear the weather and conditions in the background. So, uh, please forgive the audio quality at times as you join me in discovering no friend but the mountains. No friend but the mountains is... uh, uh you know, actually is a part of Kurdish culture that the Kurdish culture uh, say in the courts no half friend but the mountains. Okay, my name is Beruz Bushani. I am a novelist, uh, a Kurdish uh, novelist and journalist uh, currently living on Manus Island. I am here for five years. Uh, the Kurdistan history is a real uh, a big tragedy and uh, the Kurdish people know no friend but the mountains. So, and you know, mountains is a uh, main part of our, uh, you know, Kurdistan uh, nature and has a, a big impact on music and food and, you know, uh, you know, perspe- people perspectives. And, you know, it's very important, Kurdish, you know, the mountains in Kurdish culture as a big part of the nature. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's why I named the book No Friend But The Mountains. What I was really curious um, when I discovered the book, I had read your journalism and you've had an expansive body of work in journalism through, through uh, organizations like The Guardian since your imprisonment. Can you tell me about the difference in approach and style that you bring in a novel, in No Friend But The Mountains? Yeah, actually, you know, uh, people in Australia, and uh, especially, you know, particularly those people who have involved in uh, uh, our plight and Manusalan and Nauru, uh, they know me as a journalist and uh, a filmmaker because I made the movie Choco Place the last time that I would like to talk about the movie as well mm, of course so they know me as a journalist but i myself know myself uh, as a novelist first so uh, and you know i have uh, worked on uh, this book over the past five years 
and you know it took a long time because it was a very hard process and also it's really was uh, you know writing in literary with literary language is really hard it's very different with journalism words so when you work on a journalism work uh, on an article so it is easier to write uh but uh, writing uh, in uh, with uh, literary language is really hard it's really difficult and you should have uh, some space and you should uh, you know uh, so that's why it took a long time that i write it down and i was waiting for uh, you know publishing this book for five years so yeah but now that people read this book they understand they yeah that i am a novelist so uh, that's why i think there is a some uh, you know different uh, you know understanding between the people who are following our situation and my words and my understanding because i understand and myself as a novelist mm. so people ask me that why did you decide to write this book in uh, with literary language and they said because you know it is a simple question and the answer is simple as well i say the answer is that i am a novelist because i am a novelist so that's why i wrote it in this uh, language and if i wouldn't be in, in uh, I was not in Manus uh, Island and I was free in somewhere else definitely I would write a different novel but yeah so of course I'm a novelist and I write novel I was very struck by your language in No Friend but the Mountains you move through prose and and lyricism and you very much work hard to define and help the reader understand language from the the monikers that you give to your fellow prisoners um through the naming of Manus as a prison to you i mean very much in australia we hear um ideas of detention not prison but what does it mean for you to write and to create and to define language in your novel yeah you know uh I think uh, you know for a long time I uh, published in my articles and I uh, you know uh, explain my thinking that we should don't follow the uh, you know the official language we should don't follow the uh, governmental language can you hear me I can hear you yes yeah so uh, because you know the official language and the government always call this place offshore processing center but for us for us is a prison mm. and we have been in a real prison so that's why i create a new language so we need a, we don't have to follow the official language we don't have to follow the you know the governmental uh, language because they are you know creating this prison and they have been uh, able to keep us in this prison for 5 years through their language so we should create our language and we should uh, you know 
create our concept. So that's why I use, I create some concept like critical system, systematic torture, prison. And uh, so I think these concepts are, are true and we should follow these and we should uh, work and fight through our own uh, language. And uh, for a long time, I say to the organization and to the advocates and to, you know, human rights people that we should create our language and we don't have to follow the government of um, official language and the problem my big problem with the journalism language is that in the journalism language the media always uh, following the uh, you know this language the mm. official language so that's why i think the journalism language is very weak to describe the situation it's very weak to describe the life and manus uh, prison it's very weak to, you know, uh, tell through about, uh, you know, what is happening on Manus and Naru. So that's why I think it is very important. So in this book, I created uh, many new concepts, and I think they are basic concepts, and uh, the organizations and the advocates and human rights defender people uh, should uh, fight against it. The system should fight against this uh, policy on base of those concepts. Mm. So, yeah, that's why I, uh, uh, I, I think this book is very important. One of the reasons is that that we have our own language mm. to fight against this system. I think. I think people often forget the power in language and the way naming something can then define it. I want to I want to take you for a moment to the the opposite of what we were talking about and I want to talk about silence. What role does silence and invisibility play in maintaining a system like Manus prison and what do you hope for no friend but the mountains in occupying the space that this silence leaves? Yeah, you know actually this book no friend but the mountains uh, when I have started to write it you know, my aim was to create a work and create a book uh, as a piece of art that be that remain forever. So, and be over the generations, over the time, and over the places. So we can say that this book is not for this time. It's not for this uh, historical time. Mm. It's not only for this historical time, and also it's not only about. Uh, refugees is not only about the uh, Kurdish people. It's not only about uh, you know Australia. This book is belong to unknown readers from around the world. Mm-hmm. This book is for next generation as well. So that's why uh, I think it's very important. And and I spent so much time to create this book. And, you know, my aim is to have a big impact on, uh, you know, Australian society, yeah, particularly Australian society and, you know, uh, you know, have in, uh, a deep uh, effect and impact on uh, this policy. And I hope that people, you know, by reading this book and 
you know, introduce this book to others and uh, passing to pass the book to other readers, uh, you know, uh, make people aware that what uh, the Australian government has done on Manus Island and Nauru. So I think this book has this potential to create change. And, you know, over the past five years, many people, uh, you know, have uh, done many protests against this policy on Australia. But nothing changed. Nothing changed. Many media published their stories. And I myself, I published many articles. I uh, made a movie that got a global attention, but we couldn't change this policy. Mm. But I think I, this book has this potential to create change. This book, uh, I believe in this book and I believe in uh, literature. So that's why I think this book will create change. And uh, this book will find its uh, way this book will find its uh, you know, position. So I think on future, people will uh, think about this book more than this time that we are. So yeah, by taking time on next year's and next uh, generation, I think this book will be more valuable. Well, thank you for giving yeah, me the opportunity. Yeah, how I understand this book. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to help people discover this. I um, You mentioned before the, the Kiriakal system, and in No Friend But The Mountains, you outline this world of hierarchy and privilege and, and unspoken power within the prison, uh, where a man may occupy the front of every line unchallenged, or a group may control a mango tree, and yet all of these people must succumb to the officers um, who have their own power hierarchy between the Australians and the Papus. Can you talk to me about uh, Kiriaki and the operation of the Kiriakal system within the, the Manus prison? Yeah, I think when I, when I, I say Kiriakal system, I don't mean only, uh, you know, this uh, system exists on Manus prison mm. or on Nauru. When I say carical system, I mean in outside of Manus as well in Australian society. You can see carical system in, uh, you know, the social structures and political structures in Australia as well. In hospitals, in, you know, educational system, in the universities, in, you know, military places and you know, all of the structures we can see a part of hierarchical system, mm. and uh, you know, a system that take is try to you know take people identity, take people you know humanity, and uh, but I, what I am understanding mm. is that the Manus prison is the main hierarchical system. So by studying about Manus prison and the curricular system that is controlling Manus prison, by studying this prison, by studying this prison deeply and try to understand that how they are torturing people, we can understand the other part of curricular systems in the other social and political structures and uh, Australian other Western countries. So uh, that's why I call this book, uh, you know, Beyond of 
Manus Prison, and I call this book as a book for Australia and other, uh, you know, Western countries. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, people by reading this book, they can find some similarity in their, you know, uh, you know, in the society. You know, this uh, week I will publish an article on uh, uh, the Saturday paper mm -hmm. uh, in Australia that I uh, compare uh, the book No Friend But the Mountains and Manus Prison uh, with uh, um, uh, the movie uh, I, Daniel Blake. This movie uh, is one of the most important movies uh, over few past few years and uh, directed by the famous director in the uh, UK, uh, Ken Loach. And it's very important. So I compare the book and the movie I, Daniel Blake, and I explain that how is similar, you know, system that is running Manus Prison and the society. So I explained that and I hope that people read this article and I try to take them uh, through this hierarchical system to understand it. So, uh, yeah, I compare it and uh, I believe that there are uh, too many, uh, too much similarity between hierarchical system and Manus Island and Manus Prison and other uh, parts of the society. Within the operation of the karyakal system, as you describe it, I saw this this horrible absurdity, the comings and goings, but ultimate in inertia that could almost be deadly. Um, I think about the the way you evoked uh, sort of the the hospital medical facilities and and the way people would would force themselves and become addicted to to things like paracetamol. And, and at times, I was reminded of of people like Samuel Beckett's work with this this sort of absurd inertia is it only through the operation of, of the karyakal system on an individual's sense of self and sense of position that that this absurdity can work you know uh, this when i say karyakal system is a system with some parts so just i want to give you an example give mm -hmm. you a picture when i say karyakal system on manus prison this chirurgical system has some, uh, you know, elements, you know, some small part of system, like, you know, uh, medical mm -hmm. and Manus prison is a system that is controlling by the chirurgical system. The guards, immigration, case managers, interpreters, you know, all of those people who are, are working on this system and who are a part of this system, you know, they uh, put people through, uh, you know, uh, many rules, mm. ma many rules. And in end, people don't receive uh, what they ask. For example, when a refugee is sick, he has to, you know, uh, he has to fill a request form and wait for a few days. After a few days, uh, they call him and he should go to medical and he has to stay in the long queue 
and when he go there, he should stay there for an hour, two hours to see a doctor. But he see a nurse, and then they give him some painkiller and send him back. Mm-hmm. And he, he, after few days, he again has to uh, fill a request form. So they put him through a long, long, uh, you know, period mm-hmm. with uh, you know bureaucracies system and in end the people die mm. in end Hamid Khazai in the book you can see that he died but he fight a, a, a lot to get medical treatment but they put him through a rules just to torture him mm. and you know he feel that he uh, give up and go back to his country so the torture is not physically tortured, mm. although I describe many physically, you know, tortured by the guards. But the main thing is that they are torturing people uh, through many rules. They are torturing people, you know, mentally. So, and just I want to ask, you know, I want to tell this that maybe people say that, yeah, it's okay that you stay in the long queue and you feel a request for all to get medical treatment. Yeah, it's easy, but just for a few days, mm. for a month, not for five years. Mm. So imagine a person be sick in this system for five years. Of course, this system has this power to destroy anyone. We can see in Manus Island and Noru that 12 people already died and many people damaged physically and mentally. Mm. So we can see. We can see the result of this system. We can see the result of this systematic torture. So that's why I think it's very important that we, because, you know, the main part of the book is chirical system, the main concept. But we uh, we cannot reduce the book only and put it only in uh, one category. Mm. We cannot say that this book is a political book or this book is philosophical book. This book talk about nature and power of nature, that how nature is important and powerful to break this hierarchical system. This book is talk about, uh, you know, uh, morality, philosophy, mm. that how is important. This book talks about humanity and a deep desire to get freedom and justice. So you read, when you read the book, you can see that I, as a, one of the characters, always am trying to, you know, leave the prison, go out, and sometimes I... Uh, uh, go on top of a tree and stay there, you know. It is, you can see in my character that always I am trying to get some small freedom, mm. you know. So I think the main, uh, thing, uh, you know, just I would like to say that the people who are following the Agamben, the philosopher of, you know, an Italian, Italy, uh, philosopher, I think they should read this book mm-hmm. because this book uh, is, a, you know, criticize Agamben theories. This book criticizes that, yeah, we have some 
you know, we have some ways to fight against this system, against the caricature system. And that, that is, you know, the main character is Mesam the Whore. Mm. If you read about him, if you read his and think about his character, he is, uh, he doesn't do any uh, violence against the system. He always is playing with the system. He is dancing. He is singing. He has too many performances. He is playing with the rules. So we can see that, uh, yeah, uh, there is some ways. We have some way, some ways to fight against this system. And that is nature. That is the power of nature. That is the power of uh, art. That is part of power of, you know, theater, performance, dancing, and playing with the rules through art. So that's, yeah. Can I, can I, I hope you understand my English well. Are you are doing, yeah. uh, better is, uh, you are, you are inspiring me and I'm understanding you very well. Can I, can I ask you to talk to me some more about, about freedom? Because throughout the book, you, you explore the construction and development of, the prisoner's identity and the relationship to the concept of freedom. And, and in your character, you even mention being frightened of freedom. How does, how does this, you, you got me thinking about myself as well. How does, how does a system work itself up around an individual to the point that it makes them frightened of freedom? Or do we even understand what freedom is? You know, uh, if I so, your question is that about only myself. Is that right? Well, my my question is about the idea of freedom, and you you got me thinking about the way I operate and move within systems in my world, and what I understand freedom to be. And it struck me that in in No Friend But the Mountains, you you discuss freedom in relation to yourself, in relation to the other men around you. And simply thinking about freedom is a product of imprisonment, it struck me. And, and freedom is not something that I think about because it's part of my, my background. I consider myself to be free. And as soon as I started thinking about freedom, I realized ways in which my, my world is constrained. What does, what does thinking about freedom and thinking about imprisonment mean for an individual's yeah. identity? Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, freedom is a concept that uh, needs to understanding. Mm. So, so people should understand freedom. Many people, they think are free, free, and they think that they are living in freedom, but actually they are not living in freedom. Mm. So um, maybe someone in a prison have uh, some part of freedom and other people who are free who you know they are not uh, living in freedom so the freedom for me is the concept that you should understand it mm. and freedom is that you don't be a part of the structure you don't be a part of the system and you don't be you know that is freedom in my understanding just imagine people in australia many people i know in uh, the you know universities in the educational system that always they are complaining 
because mm. you know the structure put them through a situation that, that just they work and work and they you know the system take their identity take mm. their you know uh, freedom and you know even they know have this power to leave the job mm. they know have this power to leave their job and you know they know have this power to do whatever they want to do so for me you know my understanding is that freedom is a concept that you should understand it and it's uh, different uh, person by person and yeah but so, it's it's a deliberate process yeah, that, that every individual yeah. has to undertake I want to I want to talk then about about art and the role of art in in his introduction and translator's note um Omid observes how integral narratives are to living life well and he talks about how your translating no friend but the mountains helped him understand that now you're you're imprisoned illegally at the hands of the Australian government so it's i mean it's hard to say that you are living well at the moment it's certainly not the life you would choose for yourself yeah but, yeah, definitely, but, yeah, definitely, yeah. But what, what has the process of crafting this book brought to the way you live life? I mean, it was a very unique process and it's taken you five years, but what did that process bring to the way you live your life? You know, actually, I always say that writing and creating art is, uh, you know, is a way that I survive. So I writing, I writing, and I creating art, you know, and, you know, I am living through my works to survive. So that is important. So this book, uh, written in a, you know, very hard, harsh condition, and actually with a very, uh, you know, incredible process, because I send this book bit by bit, text by text to my translator, to Omid. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, uh, it was a very hard, uh, you know, process for me in a situation that I, you know, didn't have access to internet. So it was really hard to, you know, it's really hard to, when I think about the past, that how did I write this book? It's very incredible for myself as well. Mm. So, uh, yeah, uh, it was really hard, but what I am thinking, I am, you know, you should, uh, you know, imagine a prisoner. Mm. I mean, me, I am a prisoner. Yes. So in a prison, that the system always, you know, you know, re- reduce me to a number. They call me MEG45. They didn't call me Berus. They call me MEG45. They, you know, always try to, you know, the system is try designed to humiliate me and others and take our identity. So writing for me, you know, give give my uh, identity back and give me power, give me, you know, you know, keep my morality, keep my humanity. So the writing for me is an act of resistance. Art for me is an act of resistance to survive. 
you relate? Sorry, I uh, sometimes I cannot understand your uh, English word. I'm sorry. Just I uh, understand few of your words, so and then I talk. Maybe my answer are very different with your question. <laughs> no, that that answer was that answer was perfectly matched yeah. to my question. Yeah. I, I have I have one more I have one more question for you, Beruz. Thank you. You've taken you've taken so much time to talk to me. You, yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. If I if I may, though, yeah, actually, your question is very different with others, so that's why I enjoy. Oh, thank uh, you. Other journalists they always take yeah ask some very superficial questions. So I am. Um, yeah, I I did I did read a lot of uh, a lot of interviews uh, that you've done about the book and. And while I I appreciate the way those journalists have got the story out, I I really wanted to understand the book as a as a work yeah. of art, as a novel, as as a product of your mind. Yeah. Um, if if I may, may I ask you one more question before I let you go? Yeah. Okay. Um. In a there's a section in the book where you're reflecting on your upbringing. You're reflecting on um the Kurdish people and the way they have, have sat between different conflicting forces. And you, you asked the question, do the Kurds have any friends other than the mountains, referring to the, the refuge that the mountains gave to families, your, your family? Yeah. But then I also see how, how much you have collaborated on this book with the, your different translators and the people you've worked with. And in, your, in the introduction, I see conversations with Omid where you talk yeah. about the importance of collaboration. So I'd, I'd ask you, um, what role do friendships play for you at the moment and, and collaboration? Do, do you have other, any uh, friends other than the mountains at the moment? <laughs> yeah, you know, actually, just uh, first, I would like to say something about uh, no friend but the mountains. Uh, uh, no friend but the mountains is... Uh, uh, you know, actually, is a part of Kurdish culture that the Kurdish culture uh, say no friend but the mount the courts no have friend so but the mountains. So if you if people read about the history of Kurdistan and uh, Kurdish culture, they can see that how uh, the Kurdistan history is a real uh, a big tragedy. And uh, the Kurdish people know no friend but the mountains. So, and you know, mountains is a main part of you know our uh, you know Kurdistan uh, nature, and has a, a big impact on music, on food, on you know uh, you know perspe- people perspectives, and you know it's very important Kurdish. You know, the mountains in Kurdish culture as a big part of the nature. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's why I named the book No Front But the Mountains. Uh, but, uh, you know, about the collaboration, actually, you know, when I arrived on Manus Island, when they sent me here, I didn't know anyone. I didn't know anyone and I swaggered the phone and I started to work. First, I uh, met with uh, Janet Galbraith. She's, uh, you know, that I I dedicated the book to her mm. because we worked a lot over the past five years. And then she introduced me to Arnold Zabel, the Australian novelist and writer. And 
then I met some journalists and you know day by day I created a network around myself and I started to work with the human rights defenders, with the organization, with the journalists, with the artists and you know so I created a network and I created a team uh, around myself and I always call them a, a family because we you know uh, you know these people who I mentioned their names in the book you know and you know many people we have been working together because I believe in uh, you know you know collaboration always always I try to you know uh, get advice from people or you know I always welcome to the new ideas from the people and I believe in that but for the book actually I wrote the book just I wrote it and I send it out and most of the collaboration was between the translator and other translators so you know most of the collaboration that we mentioned in the book is between Omid Mm. and other people like Mones and, uh, you know, that she translated many of my works, uh, Sajjad, Janet, Arnold, you know, these people, uh, yeah, Kerry Jordan, these people who are, you know, most of the collaboration was between Umid and uh, those people because, you know, uh, translating, translating is very hard. So it's really hard and it's really hard in this book, you know, it's more harder because I am a Kurdish, I am a Kurdish and, you know, Omi did many research about the Kurdish culture, did the many uh, research uh, about the Kurdish writers and history of uh, Kurdistan, uh, you know, literature and you know poetry and he tried to understand you know the pictures in the book because i write this book as a code so uh, and also omid was uh, you know is uh, you know is an iranian mm. so he could uh, understand some part of the book that is related to the iranian literature and Iranian history and that's why I think it was very uh, important and uh, sometimes I say that if I uh, only one person you know would uh, translate this book that was Omid because uh, this book I used many you know nomadic elements in the book uh, many uh, concept uh, concept from the you know you know very very traditional uh, culture mm. uh, elements and I think Omid and also in other side is very modern uh, you know elements mm. so uh, I think uh, Omid was great to translate this work but yeah he had a, a very good. Uh, uh, collaboration with other people who translate it. I'm I'm so glad you had this had this family that you've been able to develop around you, Berus. I want to I want to thank you again. Uh, thank you very much. I want to uh, thank you. Thank you.
thank you for taking the time. I'm I'm so glad that I'm going to be able to share No Friend But The Mountains with with my listeners and and hopefully I mean I've I've already got a few people that want to steal my copy off me so I'm I'm going to share this book as far and wide as I can. Um it's it's hard to say yeah. have a nice day or something trite when I sign off to you because I know you're you're still in a terrible situation but I Yeah, I understand. Thank you very much. I look forward to the yeah. day when when it's we very kind of you. I look forward to the day when I can yeah, see you free. Thank you, Berus. Yeah, thank you very much. That's it for this great conversation with Beru's Bashani. Beru's novel, No Friend But The Mountains, is out now through Pan Macmillan. Great Conversations is recorded on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation at 2SER's Broadway Studios in Sydney, Australia. The show is produced and presented by Andrew Popel. If you're enjoying Great Conversations from Final Draft, then hit subscribe in wherever you listen to your podcasts. And look, if you want to discover more fantastic Australian writing and have it delivered to your phone every day, you can give us a rating, you can subscribe, and that really also helps other people find these books, find great Australian literature. If you want to keep up with the latest in books, writing, and literary culture, even find out what's coming up on the show, you can follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, and we're now on Instagram. Just look for at Final Draft 2SER. My name is Andrew Popel. It's been a pleasure bringing you this conversation today. Uh, I really, I love that I, I can I can help people find these amazing books and get get deeper into these issues, think about them. I'll be back next week with more great conversations from Final Draft, and I'm looking forward to seeing you then. Bye now.